morning, everyone. Thank you for listening today. Um, our scripture today comes from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, so please get out your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13, and we will start at verse 1. Before we go into the word, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you once again for this day that you have given us, Father. Pray you continue to guide and be each and every one of us. Lord, I pray your hand be upon your word this day. Guide and be with the listener, Lord. Guide and be with them, Lord, that they would receive your word, that you would use me, Lord, this day to minister your gospel message, Father. I ask all these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name I pray, Lord. Let it be. Amen. Chapter 13 of Matthew, starting at verse 1 to verse 9. That same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowd, crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, he fell along the, the, fell along the path, and some birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up and choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has a, an ear, let him hear. Amen. For each and every one of us in our scripture, the uh, Jesus is using a, a parable to teach us, and he goes out into a boat to the to so he can minister to all the people. There were so many people gathered around that he needed to go to the to a boat to minister. And Jesus used the things around him to try and get the people to understand what was uh, what he was teaching them. And in this instance, he uses a a farmer and. The farmer, it comes to the point where uh, it's time for planting season. and He's laying down the seed in the field. And as we look in our verses, verses 3 to 8, we see where this seed lands, where the seed is, is in location to the word of God. In this parable, the seed the farmer was laying down was scattered out. and Some landed where it did not have the opportunity to produce. Today, we have tractors that can put down seed and none is lost. They can plant seeds in a specific furrow and the seed not being wasted. Back in the day of Jesus, they would walk and scatter the seed in the field by hand. They were they would get a handful and just throw it out, handful in the bag and throw it out, throw out the seeds. And there was a chance that not all the seed would land and stay where it was supposed to be. So how does this uh, parable apply to us today? And does it still apply? And the word is yes. The answer is yes. It still applies to each and every one of us. Because there is always a starting point to the word of God in a believer's life. Whether you grew up in the church or heard the word for the first time, there comes a time when you will respond to Jesus. And you will respond to the word. Jesus here gives us a couple of responses of how we or people respond to his word. In the first example, we see that seed lands on the pathway. The path would have been hardened or compacted so much that the seed would not be able to work or penetrate into the ground. Because it is not covered or in the ground, it is exposed to the elements. 
and the birds came and ate the seed. We must understand what Jesus is talking about here. The seed in this parable, in this whole thing, is the word of God. People hear the word and they respond to the word. Now there is a point when the heart is open to the word or it is not open to the word. In the first instance, Jesus says the word landed on the path. The, the word or the seed landed on the path. And this is the word that has landed on someone not willing to hear, meaning they have hardened their hearts to God and his word. They have shut their hearts and their minds to the word of God. They don't feel the need to listen to anything other than their own self. They have a sense of not needing God or anything higher than themselves. This is where pride comes in. Pride can take a person straight to hell because they feel there is no need for anything more. As it says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Their downfall is their belief nothing more than them, in, in nothing more than themselves. There is no need for anything more or anything less. God and his word have no place within their hearts because they have sealed it off and the word now becomes nothing to them. The next thing Jesus talks about in this parable is the people who take God's word and think it to be a new fad or a new craze within their life. There is no thought process in following God's word. They jump into it feet first and go full throttle. These are people that have got into the word. They've heard the word. They've been exposed to it. But there was no thought process into following Jesus Christ. They just said, okay, sounds good. Let's go. I'm going to go. And they did that. But Jesus says something else. Jesus says, you, you should consider things. You should think about following me. You should consider try, uh, being my disciple. In Luke chapter 14, verse 31, he uses this example. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose one coming against him with 20,000? You see, there comes a time when we're serving God when we should think about things. When we come and we have that initial time with God, when we hear that word, it should not be just a, a just an, an, a reflection, a, a, a reaction to it. We need to consider it. Our reaction should be to think about it. I'm going to think about what it is I'm doing. I'm going to think about what it is the word of God is asking me to do. And what Jesus is saying is, Take some, take some consideration in following him. There should be some thought process that goes into it. There are those that get caught up in making an emotional decision in following Jesus Christ. They get caught up in all the emotion of serving and in doing so make a commitment to following Jesus Christ. They get caught, caught up in the music. They get caught up in the service and they decide to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe they hear the word and it's exciting to them and they, they decide to follow Jesus Christ. But that's sort of the wrong avenue to take. But don't get me wrong. We want people to come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But we don't want them to make 
an emotional decision. We don't want them to choose Christ based solely on an emotional decision. They must put some thought into it. They have to realize that it will come at a cost to them. Most people find out the cost of serving Jesus Christ after they made their decision and soon go away from the church when they find out it was not what it was all packed up to be. This is what Jesus is talking about here. We must understand that it is a great challenge and we must take up the cross when we fall, follow Jesus Christ or as it says in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 13. It says, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When troubles or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. And you see, this is why Jesus says, take some time to think. Take some time of consideration. What am I actually doing? And we want people to follow Jesus Christ. And we want people to, to, to follow and, and accept him in their life. But don't make an emotional decision. Because what usually happens when you make your uh, a decision based on emotion. This is what soon happens. People find out it's difficult. People find out it's challenging. People find out that uh, there, there's going to be hard times. And what happens, as the Bible says, he quickly falls away. They go, they fall by the wayside. And it's a tragic thing when people do that because those are difficult people to get back into the church. Those are difficult people to witness to because they understand they understand what they went away from. And they feel like, well, that was too hard. So I'm just going to stay where I'm at. And so they must make, we must make a calculated decision in following Jesus Christ. Next, Jesus brings up the seed that fell among the thorns. The busyness of life can get the best of us. Any one of us. We are pulled in all different directions each and every day. We have to go to work. We have meetings. We have all these things. I have to call so-and-so. I have to pay this bill. I have to do that. I have to pick up the kids. Then I have to take them to practice. And then they have a game. And then they have a tournament. And we have all these things that we need to do. We have all these things that are filled up in, in our calendar. I have an appointment here. I have an appointment there. I got to take so-and-so here. We have all these things that we need to do. And these are the worries of life that Jesus is talking about. These are all the things that, that people get caught up in. As it says, if you go down again to Matthew chapter 22, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of life, of this life, got to him. They got to him and they made him unfruitful. Basically what he's saying is they got too busy. They got too busy to serve God. They got too busy in all the things. They got too distracted by all the other things. And all the other things choked out God. All the other things of this world choked out God. Choked out the message of God. They're still willing to follow God, but uh, I got to make plans. I got to do this. I got to do that. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it later. I'll read my Bible later. I'll pray later. Later never comes. Trust me. I know. And Jesus here has this uh, experience within his own life. He understands that. He saw it firsthand. And if you look at Luke chapter 10, verses 40 and 42, we have two sisters here. 
Martha and Mary. And Mary was, uh, Jesus goes to their house and he was teaching and Mary sitting there listening and hearing the word of Jesus teaching them. And Martha's off in the back and she's trying to make dinner or, or get the house ready or clean up or something. And she got so distracted by those other things. She's trying to be hospitable toward Jesus. She's trying to show her hospitality, which was the right thing to do. But as we read here in verses 40 and 42, Martha puts the hospitality higher than the teachings of Jesus. And he says this. It says this. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but the only, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What he's saying here is Mary chose to listen to the word of God rather than get caught up in all the worries. Mary wasn't distracted. Mary wasn't worried. Mary wasn't, you know, upset about Martha doing anything about Martha. But Martha, in the opposite direction, was upset with Mary because she thought Mary wasn't doing what she's supposed to. But Jesus said, hey, she has chosen the better thing to do. Although to be hospitable was an important thing, the teachings of Jesus Christ are even higher. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. Those that get swept up in, in all the busyness of life so that it squeezes out Jesus Christ from their lives. Then there are those who will work to a point of exhaustion to make an extra dollar. They have accepted the word of God but can do nothing else but to work to have a bigger wallet or bigger purse. That's all that's in their mind is making more money. They're following God. They've accepted God, but they want to keep making more and more money where money is now the focus. Now, there's nothing wrong with working and earning money. But if you're going to the point where all you can think about is making more and more money, you have fallen, as Jesus said, into the deceitfulness of wealth. You have fallen into a, a, a picture of wealth. You think you're thinking of all the things that wealth can do for you, all the thing the dollar bill can do for you, all the thing those those things it can provide for you. I can get this, I can get that, I can get a car, I can get a new iPhone, I can get a new this and a new that, a new TV, maybe a 65 inch this time, 65 inch TV this time. And so we think about wealth and the deceitfulness, deceitfulness of it. It causes you to think other than in Jesus Christ. You have put aside the word of God for a dollar bill. And Jesus ends with this final seed. The seed that fell on good soil. These are the followers that God's, that uh, live out God's word each and every day. They are productive in their service to God. Now what I mean by that is they have the fruits to show their work. Now, I am not in any way talking about works only. What I mean by fruit is that they have a heart to serve God. They are not trying to work their way to heaven because they know that if they have already come to that point by taking up 
by faith the cross of Jesus Christ. They're not trying to work their way to heaven. They're not trying to do good deeds just to show God how good they are. No, they're doing these works. They're doing these fruits because they have a love for God. They have a love for Jesus Christ. And they're out doing them because they are doing them out of love. People who have taken the cross do the works out of love, not because they are required or they will uh, they think it will earn them brownie points with God. When the followers have fully matured, we should have evidence within their lives of the fullness of Jesus Christ within those lives. You see, when a plant comes to full maturity, you put it in the ground, it produces something. If you put a seed of corn in the ground, the stalk grows, and then you see the corn on it, you see the corn that that seed has produced. And Jesus here is, is talking about you and I, brothers and sisters. Where is our fruit? Is it evident for all to see? And, and Jesus is also talking to the Pharisees here. The Pharisees were men of God. They were teachers. They were basically the preachers of, of the day in Jesus Christ. They taught the law to the people and were responsible for teaching the people. Jesus could look at them and see these were not men of God. They were men who were wicked and prideful. He saw their fruit and what they produced, and they were wicked men. They could not produce good fruit. In Matthew 12, 30, 33, it says, Make a tree good, a tree good, and its fruit will be good, and make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Amen. And Jesus could look down and see that these Pharisees, they were not men of God. They claimed to be, but they were not. And he even refers to them as a brood of vipers. So what should a Christian life look like? What should the fruit of, of things look like in a Christian life? On the spiritual side of things, we can see fruitful people in Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Amen. And because you've put those things aside, because you've crucified the sinful nature and you put away those passions and you put away those evil desires, what is evident in your life should be first and foremost love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness gentleness, and self-control. These things should be the characteristics that are evident to each and every one of us, to each and every person out there. Those are the characteristics that should be seen because you can't fake love. You can't fake peace. You can't fake patience. And you can't fake kindness. You can't fake it because everything will come up. It'll all come up. You wait till something goes wrong. You wait till things don't turn out the way you think they should be. And I guarantee you, you're going to see the person who they really are deep down inside. Because everything that'll it'll, it'll all rise to the top. 
So for us today, in our lives, when we are serving Jesus Christ, there are those in the church that have taken up the cross on a whim, not fully thinking it through. And, and they're going to fall to the side because they haven't really thought it through. You brothers and sisters in Christ that have been at this for a while, praise God. Thank Him each and every day that He has gotten you this far, that you haven't fallen by the wayside, that you haven't fallen and gone back to the things you used to. So for us today, we must keep in step with Christ, allowing His Word to dwell in us. We must make sure that God is our number one focus, that we don't get checked out, uh, choked out by all the busyness of the world. All the busyness, the things that need that are taking place, we don't get choked out by it. So much so that we get forget about God. Hopefully, for those that are listening, I think those that that fall in that first seat have already shut the have, have already shut the player off, haven't even clicked on it, because they have not opened their hearts to God. So, for you and I, brothers and sisters, keep up the work, keep up the walk. Keep in stride with Jesus Christ. Amen. And may God bless you this day. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you once again for this day that you have given us. Guide and be with each and every one of us, Father. I pray that you be with the listener, Lord. Watch over and be with them in their walk. Guide and lead them, Lord. We know there's challenging times, Lord. We know there are times, we are living in times where things are, are not working out the way we probably think, Lord. But we know you are in control of all things, Father, and your hand is in control of all things. And we look to you and we rely on your word for comfort. We rely on you, Father, no one else for comfort. And I thank you, Lord, for this day. And we look to you for our strength as well, Father. I ask all these things in your son, Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Lord, let it be. Amen. Thank you for listening today. May the Lord bless you. Have a great day in Jesus Christ. Amen.